Welcome to Ira's Everything Bagel, where I talk with intriguing people about everything, their passions, pursuits, and points of view. Falsehoods are part of any society's history, and my guest addresses falsehoods, hate, and history. Severin Ashkenazi is author of Swords of the Vatican, Reflections of a Witness to Evil. Severin weaves his personal knowledge as a survivor of the Holocaust into a well-researched classic on history and why people still believe falsehoods today that lead to so much destruction. The book is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Severin Ashkenazi and the book, go to swordsofthevatican.com, swordsofthevatican.com. Severin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I was intrigued about your background, so could we start by giving and sharing with our audience some of your background, including you get credit for creating West Hollywood, which is a whole separate category to our subject matter, but just give a sense of your background so people get a sense of why you decided to write this book. Born in a big state called Tarnopol, not far from what was called Lemberg, then Vuf, then Lviv, uh, and uh, to uh, up, upper class family, if you will. Uh, we were very comfortable. I was born in 36. Uh, there was no reason to worry about anything, and no reason to expect what came about. To make the story short, in 19th, 37, my parents had a beautiful financial and otherwise offer uh, by a chocolate magnet uh, of Central Europe to move to Chicago and become his partner. But since my father was a Talmudist and the Talmud says, you have to really give deep thoughts about changing or seeking for a better living if you make a good one. And since he was making a good one in 1937, he said no. Two years later, we had nowhere to go. Two years later, we were in a ghetto. Six months later, we were in a cellar, under a cellar. Uh, there were some critical moments uh, uh, <clears throat> that I will spare you, but I know what fear is. And fear is not sitting in a, a movie, uh, in a scary movie. That's not uh, fear. fear. Fear is something that uh, you can breathe in a low, almost freezing temperatures. You run with perspiration and uh, you, you are left uh, for, for, for a long moment uh, in a very uh, stable, if I will, if not really stable, but in a state of, of uh, peace, total peace. Very, very interesting. In any event, Tarnopol had 18,500 Jews, 139 survived, and we were the only family. Mm. I don't have to, since there are 300 thousand or so survivors, I will spare you. In my experience uh, it is different than others, but very similar. So that was the survival. 
And later we moved to France, from France to the United States, and at both USC and UCLA. I advanced to the PhD candidacy in literature, romance literature. Uh, then I went into construction on a fairly large scale. And, uh, and then after that, I thought, what am I doing? And I realized as I was getting closer to 70s and 80s that life is short and, and silly. So I decided to write a book, not about me, but about what I knew. And, uh, and again, whatever I know, I would like to share it. So I'm thankful that you invited me because I want to share what I know with you with, and your uh, audience. I appreciate that. And I'm delighted to have you join us. What did you think about in terms of the title of the book, Swords of the Vatican, Reflections of a Witness to Evil? Because it's more than the Vatican. It's much more cosmic in the sense of evil and history and hate. And you talk about all these in your book. And hate is not innate in people. Hate is taught. So yes. how did you decide to, I guess it's a two-pronged question. First, the title, how you came up with the title. And second, how you approach writing the book. Well, I, the title really has underlying uh, suggestions. Remember that the Vatican was the opus of Jews. Christianity has been designed by Jews. And at the very beginning of Christianity, if you are not a Jew, you are not invited to be, to be a Christian. And that lasted for decades. Uh, and uh, so we divided. We were very divided in, in, in those centuries. We never could really survive in peace because we were always quarreling among ourselves. Jews are a very divided, quarreling people. Uh, so the Vatican was part of that quarrel that ended up being Christianity. Uh, and why the Vatican and the swords of the Vatican is because it's like the Democritus sword. It falls and it is final. So, uh, and I had some other thoughts uh, about the division of the Jewish people. Uh, to this day, I am very worried. You know, you, this, this, there are silly jokes about Jews. You have two Jews, you have three opinions, you know. But it's humor, maybe, but there is a lot of veracity in it. It's, uh, you know, uh, you ask a Jew who is a Jew. If I ask you, Ira, you look Jewish, you've got the hat to add to it, <laughs> what makes you Jewish? <laughs> what makes you Jewish? Uh, you yes, I mean, part of it is, in America at least, part of it is religious, part of it is cultural, part of it is ethnic. So there's all these different parts of being Jewish in America, I can't say what it's like in other countries. But... Let me take it apart. 
Okay, please. Culturally, most of the Jews are atheists. They they walk by a shul with a mug and dovet on it. They don't even know it's a shul. Practicing the religion, half of them don't. And those who do very slightly. And from a physical point of view, my children could pass very well for an Anglo-Saxon, even in England. So that is not what makes us Jewish. And yet we are Jewish. We feel Jewish. We are sometimes proud to be Jewish. Not always when we have some uh, sinners that put us to shame. Uh, but most of the time, we feel we are an elite, an intellectual elite, or at, at least. And what you, Jews do not understand is that what makes them Jewish is being forged like a, a sculpture, like, like a piece of metal, being designed to be different. And we have been designed to learn. We are a people of learning. The, to say the people of the book, that doesn't mean anything. Everybody carries the book. You know, that, that's not what it is. 2,000 years ago, Flaminius Josephus, the great historian, Jewish historian who befriended the uh, Caesar of Rome, Titus, wrote 2,000 years ago, not 200, 2,000 years ago, the central preoccupation of a Jewish family is the education of their children. And he repeats it in different ways several times. He must have done it from a perspective of history since he was a historian. So if 2,000 years ago we were already people who cherished whose purpose, whose drive was learning, after 2,000 years, we are here. And what is the result? The result is that about 50% of all chess champions, not a Jewish game, are Jews. 25% of non-peace Nobel Prize winners, actually lower, are Jews. What 20, 30, 40 professors of the top universities are Jews. Wow. Aren't we thinking about why? Do, do we deserve that because we, we, we were circumcised at, at birth? It's <laughs> ridiculous. Severin, I mean, the, the irony, though, is that there's a rise of anti-Semitism on many college campuses and many university campuses. So you have that situation. If you had three hours, I would tackle the problem. <laughs> Half an hour, I want to at least tackle one problem. Go ahead. If you invite me again, I'll explain. I'll try to explain to you what's going on on the campuses. So what, who are, do you know, several hundred times in the Talmud and in the uh, Old Testament, we speak about tzedakah. 
tzedakah, mitzvah, charity, tikkun alam, it's non-stop. We have been forged, if you will, carved to, in order to be Jews, we have to be charitable and take care of the fellow man. No wonder that Jews were doctors. In, in, in ancient times, Maimonides was a lawyer, so a doctor. Many, many Jews were court Jews because they were, they were doctors. Uh, but we were charitable. We took care of Tikkun Alam. To this day, I pick up, my back hurts me, but I still pick up some garbage left by others. So this is the second characteristic. A Jew will help. You will not go to a temple, whether you're Jew or non-Jew. Meet with the rabbi and ask for help and not get it. I know, because jeden Montag und Donnerstag, as the Jews say, twice a week, I will get a call from the rabbi or from someone on the board. Hey, Ashkenazi, we have this poor Ukrainian, not Jewish. She is desperate. Uh, we, we, we can give her $500, but it's not enough. Would you help? The rabbi calls you, a colleague calls you. How do you say no? Of course. Every Friday, I know from my father that my grandfather did it. My father did it, and for a long time, I did it. Every Friday, if a poor Jew came to ask, or a sadaka, he would get it, and it would be wrapped in the old days in a piece of newspaper because it wasn't elegant, it wasn't charitable to just hand somebody money, you know. So how though, Severin, though, just to 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 the point of your book, and thank you for that explanation. But how does that then generate this historical or historic hatred that you talk about? That hatred is taught. I right. will come, I will still, we still will have time to come back to it, I'll be happy. Okay. But I want to tell you who the Jew is. And also we have a sense of humor, which is unique. You do not have a Chinese humor. Maybe there is one, the world doesn't know or understand. There is British humor. I spent some time in Great Britain. Couldn't understand half of their jokes, they were tied to, to, to the British Empire and geography and history. Jewish humor is universal. We laugh. We should, or we should be crying, we laugh. We somehow went to the gas chambers laugh. And then ask a Jew which days are the holiest days in Jewish life, existence. Do you know? Well, it would be Yom Kippur, it would be one. You see, you know bagels. <laughs> you don't know about Jewish holidays, Shabbat. Well, true, the weekly Friday night, sure. Okay. Shabbat. Shabbat. Yeah. Maybe it was the way you asked me the question that I answered you wrongly. How about that? That's okay. <laughs> Listen, it's a, it is an extraordinary invention. Every Friday, you must 
just like God, worked for six days, relaxed the seventh, and started meditating over his creation. So do the Jews. It goes back to the very beginning of the Bible. Few Jews know it. It's, it's so simple. It's so basic. Few Jews know. And then it's time to teach the children to have them there to, to answer their questions, to look at their manners, to see how they eat. It's a family. It's part of teaching. And really, the fourth, the fourth effort by our rabbis was Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is not only asking God for forgiveness. You can do this to your chest. It was to ask your fellow men for forgiveness so that the community could continue. Instead of having vendettas, like in most part of the world, we had shalom, peace. And yet the Jews are phenomenally divided. It costs us our land, our country, our lives. And I'm afraid that if we stay on this road, we will lose again Israel. Because that division is, is mind-boggling and it grows into the wrong We used to have our leaders was were honest, they were patriots, they were Zionists. Today Israeli leaders are ordinary people who seek to seek satisfaction for themselves, most of the world. And then what people does fifteen percent of its population schnorrers, uneducated schnorrers, who condemn their children to misery and to be at the discretion, if you will, to survive at the discretion of others and, and being sh ignorant schnorrers. They learn nothing. They do not go to the army to, to harden themselves. They do not really teach except the Talmud. It's always is wonderful. You can read it once, twice, earmark it, and sometimes you get back to it when you need to, when you when you have some thoughts. But that's all fifteen percent of our youngsters know. It's embarrassing. And the worst thing of all is that you and I, when they come to us, we support them, we give them money. I mean, it is ridiculous. But I do want to return. I do want to return to the book as to what well, it's is your it's yes, what, is, what is it that you want to share in terms of what the book is about? I think that that is what I well, the book, aside of the things that I'm discussing with you, mm -hmm. try to understand in a very detailed fashion what is what, where we came from, where we're going, where we are. Uh, is really sharing uh, four, five, six generations of knowledge because my parents would never be with their two sons, my brother and I, without teaching us something. 
for 40 years. So we learned a lot of what they knew. Plus we learned what we learned. And they realized, as I just demonstrated to you, how little non-Jews and Jews know about who the Jews are. We are Jewish Jews. I asked a very uh, well-educated non-Jew in Poland, tell me, who is a Jew? She couldn't answer. A few weeks later, she called me and says, I know, a Jew is a Jew because he is a Jew. That was her answer. <laughs> and curiously, that's how we feel. A Jew is a Jew because he is a Jew. There's an intuitive understanding of what you are without really understanding what you are. Right. Yeah. right. So I try to explain. Uh, it is also a historical book. It also discusses uh, hate in a general and, and in a more detail. Hate is learned. You know, Jews are scapegoats from the fourth century on we became serious scapegoats from the Roman times. And had it not been for a Christian uh, prophet, you will, a fourth century, chances are we would have been already almost exterminated in the fourth and fifth century. Augustine, St. Augustine, when two bishops started murdering us, a hundred thousand each already, they were down the road in Milan, the Bishop of Milan and another bishop in Africa. He stopped them and said, the Jews should not be killed. We need the Jews to be, <clears throat> to, to be walking with back bends to show the world what happens to people who do not believe in Christ. Fourth century, however. And of course, the Caesars picked from there and the, the, the fight went on. And, and, you know, for instance, I tried to explain, why do you think we are matrilineal? Why do you wear a hat or a kippa or a kippa? Why? Well, the reason I wear a hat is it's distinctive. I like it. It uh, keeps style. It looks very good. <laughs> but if, if, if you also think of it as a, a kippa, you don't need to. Because the kippah was invented by some idiot rabbis <laughs> in Poland, literally. Because I'll explain why idiots. I lived it. I paid the price. Idiot rabbis in the 18th century, when the Jews were left alone, no more pointed hats in Spain or in the southern European world. No more yellow thatches. They left us alone for a moment. So our rabbis put the, the uh, kippotans to distinguish us. And that's how our persecutors knew which skulls to, to crush, to smash. There is no reason. 
I, I have a question, Severin. It's always fascinated me. There are countries in the world where the Jewish population is minuscule, if existing at all, and yet there's anti-Semitism in some of these countries. Where does that come from, even in that in that larger context, in terms of your book? I'll explain it to you. I'll try. Korea was really atheist, South Korea, of South Korea, until about some 60, 80 years ago. Buddhists, they were looking for a religion, and they adopted Christianity. And 30% of South Korea is Christian. Some 40 years ago, dissatisfied with Christianity, the Koreans decided to translate the Talmud in the last 20 years, maybe, but they were flirting with Judaism already much longer. They're the latest and the only country in the last uh, 100 years to have translated the Talmud. Did you know that? Did not. Every family, I'm told by the ambassador of South Korea, has at least two Talmuds at home. Interesting. Why? Why do they have the Talmud? Why did they translate it? Because the Korean mothers, want, since the Jews are so smart, want to know and for their children and for their children to read what the Jews read. Fascinating. We have about a minute left, though, Severin. So tell us what the main thing you want people to know about the book and why people should get the book and read it. What's the, I know there's so many aspects to it, and you're a type of guy I could spend hours talking with. But as you said, we only have 30 minutes. But what's the main point you'd like to talk, mention about? I would like to transfer the, the knowledge I have. This is not the book about Severin Ashkenaz. Not at all. There might be from, to just to show some experiences, one or 2% of the book I might be involved in. I want people finally to know about Judaism. They don't. I don't think that 99 Jews out of 100 knows who they, knows who they are. And I don't think that 999 non-Jews know who a Jew is. And we are doing such a poor job in presenting ourselves, in explaining who we are, that the Palestinians, the Muslims, stole the highest ground, moral ground from us. It is absurd. Absurd. These are people who will not help their brothers and sisters. These are people who do not give to the poor, really. You know, to, to, from people who can buy a, a, a billion dollar boat to get a few dollars for charity is, is a job. The Muslims are an uneducated gray mass. Two million people, five Nobel Prize winners. Are we kidding ourselves? And if you have not read the Quran, I read it in two translations, French and English. It's absurd. It's absurd. And yet, people die for it. And men in expectation of 72 virgins, you know, that are waiting for them in heaven, 
I just hope they're all nymphomaniacs. That would really do it. The, uh, of course, there would be many that would disagree with your, your take on uh, on other religions, and particularly the Muslims. Yes. But it, it required you decades of experience to write the book. Are you satisfied that you got your main points written within the book? There is still so much more to say. And, uh, uh, the result of uh, October 7th is already in my book. It's, it, it was going there, and it got there. So now we have to rethink it again. We have to talk, talk about it. Well, we are living in very dangerous times. That's a great way to leave it for now. Unfortunately, we only had 30 minutes, but my guest has been Severin Ashkenazi. He's author of Swords of the Vatican, Reflections of a Witness to Evil. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all the usual places. And for everything about Severin and the book, go to swordsofthevatican.com, swordsofthevatican.com. And Severin, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for inviting me. And join us every Thursday for a new schmear on Ira's Everything Bagel.